Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw. Steps up. Floats a bomb up the right seam. Looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. the middle of that line and it's a touchdown big return for Crowder 85 yards pass thrown there was contact with a quarterback and it's incomplete they got pressure on Prescott it was Adams who came blitzing in he'll hit immediately when he got the handoff you know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. oh my gosh listen thank you from the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And this is a strange week. Normally, since it's Wednesday, we would do midweek with Manish today, but Manish is going to be on tomorrow instead because we're going to do the pregame report combined with midweek with Manish this week because of the fact the Ravens and the Jets are playing on Thursday night. So today we're going to do Off the Edge with Jamal Westerman, but before we get into that, there is some breaking news with Bowling Gate, and I'm going to talk about this with Jamal later as well because I want to get his perspective as a player and as somebody who used to play for the New York Jets. But before that, as I said, breaking news with the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, I'm going to go ahead and guess that when you were going to journalism school, you never expected to be covering a story involving an NFL player who was out bowling. Yeah, that's that definitely didn't come up. But I learned this lesson my first year on the beat. Because my first year on the beat, what they had, we had the uh, Rex Ryan uh, whole foot fetish thing uncovered, and we were talking about that. And I remember writing my lead. I was just like, "Yeah, I I never thought that I would be writing a an article about a foot fetish and like an article that feels like it belongs in TMZ." But here we are. Indeed, here we are. So here's the story, real quickly. Le'Veon Bell apparently was seen bowling a couple of hours after he had been ruled out for the game on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. This is a picture that was taken by somebody who saw Lev Bell at the bowling alley. And I'm going to let you tell the details of exactly how this breaks down. There were a lot of theories about what happened here, whether it was the Jets doing something like this and leaking it to make Bell look bad because eventually they may want to trade Le'Veon Bell. So this would be softening things for the fan base and getting the fan base to turn on Le'Veon Bell. Turns out that's not exactly what happened here. Why don't you go ahead and talk about what you heard from your source as to what actually happened. All right. So this guy decided him and his friends were going to go to the Booten uh, bowling alley. They were, ha- they were going there for a birthday party and they were having like an eighties theme night. 
Uh, him and his friends are wearing like Zumba pants and all that types of stuff. Um, they they see Le- Le'Veon Bell there, and he knew it was Le'Veon Bell because he went and looked at his Instagram, and he was wearing the same pants that he was wearing <laughs> in an Instagram photo. Um, he took a picture of Le'Veon Bell and sent it to a friend of his who is a reporter. Um, and then from there, the the uh, you know the the report took on a life of its own. He wasn't sitting there thinking, expecting it to turn out to a huge thing. Uh, I know people who have uh, seen said picture and verified said picture. I know that it, for a fact, it exists. And as I joked to you before we came on here, I have my jet sources, my NFL sources, but they pale in comparison to my North Jersey. Something happened in North Jersey sources. Uh, I've, I've been all over this, uh, this area of the state. I know it really well. I know people all over the place and I have all types of stories about the players and doing something or whatever. Uh, 99% of the time I will never say anything about it because uh, the, 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 those stories are way more salacious than what we have here. But this is such a, uh, a nothing story that I was like, and and I was also talking about how this felt like it could have been coming from the Jets. Uh, I know enough about the NFL and how NFL teams operate. Teams do this constantly. So I was just like, all right, let me go out there. I know that it didn't come from the Jets, so let me come out come out with it and just say exactly how the story went. Uh, again, the guy who took the picture is a Giants fan. He didn't know that Le'Veon Bell had been ruled out with the flu. He was sent it to his reporter like, don't they have a game? And the reporter told him that, you know, he's out with the flu. But then they turned it into the story that we have now. And just to be clear, it doesn't sound like there was anything in the way of malicious intentions here from the guy who took this photograph and sent it to his friend, the reporter. It doesn't sound like he was sending it to his friend to try and stir up trouble and make the fan base upset at Le'Veon Bell because from what you were saying, he didn't even know that Bell was ruled out when he took the picture and sent it, right? Yeah, he he had no idea. So it wasn't like he uh, he was trying to get Le'Veon Bell in trouble or cause all this. I know he was kind of taken back, but that it had become a story. Because again, he went out for... Uh, a birthday party they were doing it and then it's kind of like forgot it about it and now all of a sudden it blew up into the story so he's been laughing with his friends about it and about how it all unfolded uh i don't think he feels any remorse or regret about it i don't think he particularly cares but it definitely wasn't something that he was trying to do and the jets can't possibly care that much about this right i know that adam gay said that the optics look bad when he was asked about it and that he was going to talk to Le'Veon Bell. But anybody with any kind of common sense can't really be that upset about this, right? Uh, you would think so, but uh, I, I got a few people on Twitter that would disagree. Um, and that happens. Th- that's Twitter. That's always going to happen. But I had one person that uh, came at me of just, if Bell doesn't go out to the bowling alley, then it's not a story. I was like, okay, Boomer. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, that's, you know, I don't typically jump in on a lot of these trends, but I felt that was the perfect time for the okay, Boomer uh, to be broken out. Um, yeah, there's always going to be people that think that way inside like that. And, oh, you're, you were sick. Like somebody else said something and um, 
uh, we were going back and forth with other people. It's like, we've all been sick before and we all know there's varying degrees of being sick. And we've all had like the flu and we've all had the flu where you were incapacitated and can't move. But we've also had the flu where at a certain point you still feel all right. And he was told to stay away from the team because he was contagious. They didn't want anybody else getting sick. Obviously he wasn't feeling that down and sick. And if he can't be by the team and he's feeling up to going bowling, then go ahead and go bowling. Enjoy yourself. Adam Gase's words seem a little strange to me. Do you think that he's actually bothered by this? What is going on here from the Jets side of this? Uh, it, it's hard to tell with Gase because he could be bothered by it, but also he doesn't always say the right things in situations. Uh, I mean, it can even think back to week one when he kind of threw Robbie under the bus because Robbie slipped running a route, but he made it sound more like Robbie like quit on the route. Um, so he doesn't always phrase things the right way. Um, and then, but also, also, Coaches do this. Coaches get way caught, more caught up in optics, quote unquote, than reality. Uh, they live in this world where optics, again, quote unquote, sometimes matters more than reality. And where most people would just be like, yeah, and, and, you know, it's not a big deal. I don't know why we're making it a big deal. There's no need to make it a big deal. He's talked about the optics of it not looking great and now just feeding into it. But I, I'm hesitant to say that that was like done maliciously at that point, um, just because he, he's he's phrased things awkwardly and in, in ways that I would think he knows he shouldn't before. Just to be clear, though, this shouldn't really be a big deal to anybody, just based on the fact that bowling and football are not exactly the same. So you can bowl with the flu, whereas maybe you can't play football with the flu, right? Yeah, absolutely. And also, he might have even been able to play football with the flu, but they were it was they're worried about him being contagious. He wasn't allowed at the walkthrough. Um so there there's a huge difference there. And again, if if he felt up to bowling, which he obviously did because he went out bowling, then that's fine. Uh, like I it's not like he's not going to be ready this week because he went bowling. Um so there's there's a huge difference. And, again, going to the, the – this is the thing. The reason why the guy who took the picture and his friends went to this bowling alley is because it's just like a quiet, low-key, not much is going on here spot. And I'm sure – I don't know. I haven't talked to Le'Veon Bell, but I'm sure that's probably why he picked this too. You, you, you really couldn't have picked a more low-key night except for staying home or just like a movie theater. Like this is not some spot where it's jumping and everything's going off. And I saw people comparing it to the Darnold story, but that was a nightclub in the city that NFL players often go to. Uh, this is like a little hole in a wall of a bowling alley in Booton, New Jersey. Uh, it it's Nothing's going on at this place. It's a low key night. And he went out with his, a couple friends and, went and bowled some frames i like this is such a nothing story as the great paul harvey would say and now you know the rest of the story 
Thanks, Chris. Appreciate you jumping on for a quick few minutes. We will talk later in the week. I'm sure we're going to do some mailbag questions, and we will also take a look at what happens on Thursday in the wake of the Jets and the Baltimore Ravens. But now we turn our attention to a former member of the New York Jets, current CFL star Jamal Westerman. Normally, this would be midweek with Manish, but you're going to hear from Manish tomorrow for the pregame report because of the fact that we've got the Baltimore Ravens and the New York Jets playing in Baltimore on Thursday for Thursday Night Football. We're rearranging things a little bit. We're getting a little crazy here, Jamal. Getting a little crazy. <laughs> well, I guess it's mid- no more midweek with Minaj. we got Wednesday with Wesley. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, Scott, man? How's everything going? I'm doing well, Jamal. I'm just trying to shuffle everything, get in all this great Jets talk before the game on Thursday. It's a little chaotic, kind of the way that the Patriots offensive line was chaotic trying to block you in 2011 when you were able to sack Tom Brady not once but twice but, in a single but two, game. two times two times it's like two chains man I should give me two chains with each sack on it just hold them up <laughs> that's it two chains two pendants I know a jeweler out there helped me out reminds me of Diamond Dallas Page when he used to say he was the two-time two-time WCW heavyweight champion you are the guy that sacked Tom Brady not once but twice in a single game and so this will be fun because we're not only going to go through what you saw when you watched the Jets versus the Dolphins but we're going to talk a little bit about what you think the Jets can do to try and stop this juggernaut Baltimore Ravens offense spearheaded by Lamar Jackson and you had a couple of really mobile quarterbacks that you had to face when you were in the NFL, but I don't know if any of them were quite on the level of Lamar Jackson. So I'm curious to hear your take as somebody who is a professional defensive player, what to try to do to stop this guy. But first, let's talk about what we saw with the Miami Dolphins. And let's start on defense. We're going to talk about stopping Lamar Jackson later. First, let's talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick, though. Ryan Fitzpatrick, safe to say, is not Lamar Jackson. I think we can all agree on that. However, Ryan Fitzpatrick can use his legs, and he did use them against the Jets. Why was he able to have so much success running the football? Is it because the Jets were doing so well in other areas that he saw that was the only thing open, and so it looks worse than it actually is because he did have eight yards to carry? Is it because Fitz saw a deficiency in the Jets' defense? What did you see when you watched this? I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, being a, a veteran quarterback, he's played in all the games. He's seen a lot of defense. So it's hard to disguise certain defenses, certain coverages against him because he's seen them all. But what you saw in this game is that the Jets had to use more coverage. With playing you know, shorthanded in the secondary with Jamal Adams out, you know, they're playing with guys that they are playing hard now, the guys that weren't on the roster at the beginning of the year that were coming off the practice squad. So they're not in-depth in – disguising defenses, you know, disguising coverages. So when the Jets send four, you know, the, the DBs, the linebackers, instead of disguising, a, you know, a drop or trying to undercut a route, they're just thinking, let me get to where I'm supposed to be. Let me get on my guy. Let me get in my zone and play coverage. Ryan Fitzpatrick's seen nothing open. You know, he's a smart enough quarterback to know, like, all right, nothing's open. I can scramble here, pick up the first down. I can help my team win. And as that veteran guy who has never really been anybody's chosen starter, to come into the season, but he's been a guy that can come in and help out and come in to keep the team alive and create some flair. You know that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to look for any way to get it going against the Jets, and he's found a little bit in the rushing game, you know, you know, seven carries, I mean, 9.3 yards average, kind of getting down the field, making things happen, and just trying to win the game, and he always plays with flair, 
you know, with a little bit of uh, that fist magic, and he did a little bit, you know, last Sunday against the Jets. What'd you see in coverage? To me, it looked like Blessin Austin wasn't quite as good as he has been, but was still very effective. And I think that a lot of people don't talk enough about how well he tackles because he's good at wrapping guys up. Everybody talks about the coverage. And don't get me wrong, coverage is the number one job of a cornerback, but still, it is nice to see that he can cover and tackle. I thought that Marcus May had another rough game. He's had an interesting season. He started off really well. And then to me, it seems like his performance has gone downhill a little bit. What did you notice from this unit that didn't have Arthur Millette, who had played pretty well, although last week he took a bit of a step back? And, of course, Jamal Adams, who's the linchpin not only of that unit, but also of the defense as a whole. I mean, like, like you said, they're missing a lot of guys that they count on. I mean, like you said about Blitt, maybe his coverage wasn't the greatest this game. I think he did pretty well in, in battling, but the one thing about him, he'll come up and tackle. And tackling isn't just you practice tackling. It's a want-to thing. It's an attitude thing, you know, so you saw that with him. In the secondary, they were doing their best to just try to keep him out the end zone. So in the field of play, you know, not coming out, you know, kind of in between the 20s, in between the 25, you saw a lot of that bend, you know, bend but don't break defense. You kind of let them picking up yards, you know, just don't let anything get behind you. No balls over your head. Tackle. And then when he got to the red zone, Greg Williams, I mean, he's doing a masterful job of it with his defense. In the red zone, you can see all the preparation, all that bringing it from practice to the game come out because they're playing a lot tougher in the red zone. They kept them – I think there was one first eight in the red zone with all the field goals that they had to kick because in that red zone, that's, a, that's an area where you're not worried about getting run past the DB. You know, you're not worried about the big play as much as the D corner. Now you can call some ballistics, you can mix it up in coverage, and then that preparation can really show. So I think they're doing a good job in the second and just trying to hold on, just, you know, being shorthanded with Jamal Jamal Adams out, and he's I mean, such a great play, playmaker for them. They did a good job of bending but not breaking, made a couple plays, had an interception. You know, that's a turnover. You know, a takeaway in a game like this is huge. And, you know, that takeaway, that's a – another position for the offense and in a one-point game that was a, a humongous play can you tell me a little bit more about the red zone defense here because as you said the Jets tightened up every time the Dolphins were able to get into the red zone as a player how does that work exactly when you're in a red zone as a defensive player you have two thoughts in your mind you either get nothing zero or three in the CFL we go zero one or three because we had the rules you know this Canadian thing don't worry about it but it's zero <laughs> or three so they're not going to get anything or they're going to have to kick three. And in the red zone, it's the same thing. The, the field gets shorter, you know, shorter than it is. I mean, it's wider than it is longer. So you're not worried as a DB of getting the ball thrown over your head. You're worried about a lot of crossing routes, you know, so the defensive line, the linebackers, you have to get your hands up. As a defensive lineman in the red zone, you don't want to be rushing the pass and rush behind the quarterback. Because especially in the NFL now, and, you know, playing a quarterback like Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, he, he was running that day, but – some of the younger quarterbacks can get out and run. If you rush behind them, they'll be able to run up, get a first down, or get in the end zone. So you want to kind of direct rush at the quarterback, try to keep bodies in front of him. If he's going to run, he's going to have to run outside of the pocket where guys can close on him and you can cut off some of those crossing routes. What you see from the defensive line in this game? Because when I watched, it sure looked like this was another dominating performance by them. Everybody from Nathan Shepard to Foley Fadakasi to Steve McClendon to Henry Anderson, all playing well. I thought Quentin Williams was dominating this game until he got hurt with a stinger. Now they're calling it a burner, but I've always known it as a stinger in his neck. When you looked at this, what did you see? What made these guys such a force on this day? 
and especially Quentin Williams because we've talked a lot about him, but this game felt like a game where he really announced himself and this was the guy that we saw on tape at Alabama. I mean, the young defensive lineman, Quentin Williams, early in the game, he missed the sack but was in the backfield creating disruption. He had a tackle for loss, was called back because of a face mask. He was being disruptive. He was knocking his D-line, I mean, knocking the offensive guard back in the backfield. So I was thinking the same thing that you're thinking. Oh, here goes Q. Willie. This is the game. You know, you're playing against the Dolphins, division rival. You're playing at home to be able to have this com- coming out game. Like you said, a quick stinger, knocked him out for the game. But that D-line, the rest of the boys up front, Steve McClendon, Rashim, all those guys, Jordan Jenkins, even though he's on the edge, but they played a hard game. You know, they were making plays, and nobody – it seems like the week before, the D linemen, the linebacker were, were waiting, waiting for somebody to make the play. But this game – and it, it has something to do with playing against the Dolphins. You know, just as a former Jet, playing those division games, the Dolphins, you know, that's always a game, and especially this year, the two records aren't too far apart. The teams play, you know, throughout the year – isn't too far apart. So this is the game you know that, listen, if we come and play our best, we can win it. And they played with a little bit more energy up front that I've seen them play in the weeks past. And everybody was taking a shot of making a play here, making a play there, and just creating a lot of upfront push and playing a harder game. And when you're a team that's not winning games and you're a team that's not going to the playoff, you know, what you have to rely back on is your effort, you know, and because you get to do this. You know, this is not, you know, this is a national football league. You don't got to be here. You get to be here. You get to make the play. You don't got to show up. You get to be there. So I think they played a hard game. They played with a lot of want to, and they came out with the win. Do you think that the fact that Quentin Williams was used more in an attack role than we've seen typically this season had anything to do with the fact that he didn't have Jamal Adams to use? Greg Williams, I'm talking about here, as a chess piece. You know, they weren't blitzing as much. So normally when you have a blitz, you may have a D lineman looping, taking up two gaps or opening up a gap. You know, Quentin may stunt to the A gap, opening up the B gap for Jamal Adams to blitz. But without, you know, one of their main blitzers and a guy that, you know, has been so successful at getting in the backfield, getting to the quarterback and Jamal Adams, they allowed Quentin Williams to do a little bit more of going straight forward, you know, beating his man one-on-one to being his, you know, maybe in the B gap and rush to B gap and create an inside move on the guard. And I was looking forward to seeing him go throughout the game because some of the criticisms of him in the past have been, you know, can he play harder for longer? You know, coming up rookie year, this is his first year. You understand, you're learning the NFL. You're learning the speed of the game. You're learning the intensity of how hard it is to go out there and compete every play. And he was competing hard, and that stinger took him out. And I was interested to see, could he play that whole game, playing that hard that he did during that first drive? So he's been doing a good job at the beginning of this game. Now I'm going to continue. Hopefully he's back for next game. You can see him doing more big things on Thursday night. What did you think about Greg Williams' scheme in this game? Do you think that he dropped the ball by not figuring out a way to keep Miami from driving down the field that many times? Or was it just a matter of having too many pieces missing and so he did everything he could to do, as you said, the bend-but-don't-break defense? I think it's masterful his scheme, schematic uh, play this game because you knew that you didn't have your big playmakers on the field. So what is Miami going to do? You go, okay, I'm going to force him to drive the ball. But the more plays that an offense has to run, the more, you know, the, 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 there's more of an opportunity for the offense to make a mistake, a drop ball, an offside, a holding penalty, a fumble, an interception. So there are more things that can happen, you know, as an offense if they have to pick up, you know, four yards here, four yards here, first down. You know, if they don't get those chunk plays, that there are more opportunities for them to make a mistake. So I think Greg Williams knew what he was dealing with in his secondary, you know, missing a safety, missing the corners, missing linebacker. 
So we said, listen, we're going to play a little bit off. We're going to come up, but we have to have great tacklers. And when you play that type of defense, you know, having a corner like Blessing Austin that can come up and tackle and say, listen, you're going to get four yards in this play, but this four or five-yard play is not going to turn into a, a 67-yard, you know, touchdown run because somebody misses the tackle. That's what you need out of your corners when you're playing that kind of cover two system. Jamal, before we start recording, you had some interesting observations about James Burgess, who I do think played a pretty good game here, and Neville Hewitt as linebackers, what they're good at, what they're bad at. What are you seeing when you're watching them? I mean, Neville here, you can tell just from his body and his makeup and the way he plays the game, he's more of an in-the-box linebacker. You know, he's a bigger guy. He comes down here, he's a thumper. He's a thick, you know, aggressive linebacker. And you don't want it to get caught giving him a straight-ahead hit on you because he's probably going to knock you down and knock you down for a while. And coverage, you can just watch the way that he's, he's growing and you've seen the development from the first game that he started this year to now and the way that he's feeling coverages, he's feeling where he's supposed to be in the zone, but he's still have, struggling a little bit and flipping his hips and getting on the man. Those are things that he'll continue to work on, to continue to grow into as he grows as a linebacker in the NFL. You know, with Burgess, I mean, he picked up 10 tackles, three assists. He was all over the field. Making some plays down the field was just hustle where, yeah, it may not have been a, a stop in the backfield, but he's hustling and getting on the play. And he's doing some good things also in his drops, in his fire zone drop, being able to get it, get, you know, he's talking about getting outside of receiver to keep him inside for the safety and trying to jump routes. So he's trying to develop, you know, not only, okay, I'm in coverage, but I'm in coverage. Can I bait a pass? Can I bait a throw right here where I can try to get a pick or bat the ball or tip it up so somebody can get an interception? So you see those two guys and now, and just listening to them, you know, I've been kind of listening to the clips that they've been talking about, you know, throughout the week about the game. They're trying to take their preparation and their gameplay from one-on-one to the next level. You know, they're trying to go graduate level with the different things that they do in coverage. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. I want to talk about the offense for a little bit, and I want to start with the running game. They ran a lot early on, which is something that Adam Gase is not really known for, and he hasn't done at all here with the Jets so far. Did this feel like Adam Gase sending some sort of message to Le'Veon Bell, like, we don't need you, we can run all these times, and I don't need you here? That's sort of what it felt like to me. Am I crazy? 
I never, I would never say a coach is trying to send a message, you know, by something like that, like, oh, we can run the ball without you. Because in saying that, then you'll be saying in previous games when they weren't running the ball, they could have had similar success if you want to send a message. So that's something I, I won't try to, you know, I, I'm never going to say, speak on what a coach is trying to do or what he's, you know, what, what I think he's thinking. You know, I just think that they had a better job. They did a better job of running with, with Lyle Powell this game because he's a different runner than Le'Veon Bell. You know, he's not – Le'Veon is more of a patient, like we spoke about in the fact, kind of pick-and-pop type of running back. Blau and this offensive line, they seem to have good chemistry where this offensive line doesn't do the greatest job of, you know, sticking on blocks and staying on block. But by the time, you know, they're falling off the block or they're getting beat, you know, Blau is kind of hitting the hole so quickly that he may miss the front line of defense. Now he's in the linebackers, where Le'Veon is kind of patient, looking for you to stay on a block so somebody may – flow too much and we can get a cutback lane or he can find a hole if they're not staying on blocks you know they're right there gobbling gobbling them up in the backfield so I just think it was a you know better game plan this game earlier on to run the ball and it just fit what the offensive line is doing with you know a quick hitter we're going to hit the hole hard and we're just going to try to grind three or four yards out every play Jamal I want to talk a little bit more about Le'Veon Bell and this bowling situation my first reaction was, what What the heck is he doing? And then I stopped and thought about it for a few seconds and realized, well, first of all, he was told to stay away. Second of all, he was sick, but there's a difference between bowling with the flu and trying to dodge 300-pound men who run a 4-4-40 with the flu. And so it's not really the same thing to bowl with the flu as it is to play in a football game with the flu. Jamal, as somebody who's played this game at a high level for a really long time, A, do you think that that's a big deal, that he went bowling after being ruled out with the flu? And as a teammate, is it something that would bother you at all? You know, A, I'll ask you questions like that. A, I don't think it was a big deal that he went bowling with the flu. I mean, if he was told to stay away from the team, and when I say told to stay away from the team, Le'Veon Bell has been a professional football player for a long time. I mean, he's played collegiately, he's played in high school. So a lot of his goals and a lot of his aspirations, a lot of the things that he likes to do happen on that football field on Sunday. So this is the day that he can't play. He had to flu, you know, stay away, man. You're sick, you know, just kind of stay at home. You know, even if you're feeling better, your body is so, you know, depleted from being sick that, you know, how, how, how much can you play in the, in the game on a Sunday? You know, and players want to play. And that's the one thing I think people forget when you know, they're pointing finish. Players want to play on Sundays. I saw a game, I remember we were playing at home, and we had Jason Taylor on the team. So right before the game, I'm looking at JT, and his eyes are kind of watery, and then he just starts throwing up, throwing up, throwing up in a bucket, throwing up for 10 to 15 minutes. So I'm like, oh, JT's not going to play today. And I'm, I'm kind of like, oh, well, he's not playing. I get a couple more snaps. And then we get up, line up. He grabs his helmet. I'm like, JT, what are you doing? He's like, hey, man, I got to play. You can't make the club in the tub. So players want to play. So I, I don't <laughs> think there's a problem with, you know, him going out bowling. doesn't matter. You know, they say he was out to one. He was out to two. He was out to three. It does look bad for people that don't know the game. But just like he can be outside till 1 o'clock, he could be in his house playing Fortnite till 1 o'clock. You know, he can have friends over his house to three o'clock in the morning. So just for, you know, just because you saw him out doesn't mean that, you know, he wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. And as a player, it, it wouldn't. I mean, at first, obviously, like, where, where was he? He's like, all right, cool. You look at it, you're like, cool. Because everything I've seen from Le'Veon Bell this year in the locker room, speaking to the media, on the field, on the sideline, I haven't seen any selfishness from him. I haven't seen a player who was arrogant. 
I haven't, you know, seen, you know, a player who we all spoke about. All, all he wants is money. All he wants is a big payday. Everything that we've seen from him, uh, you know, as, as a, a former Jets player and a person who watches the Jets every week, I think you should be happy to have players like that that go out and lay it on the line, even when they're in a losing situation. So as a, as a teammate of his, if I was a teammate of his, I, I wouldn't have too big of a problem with it because he does have the flu. But it's also what I've seen from him the past months. You know, it's as he come to practice late on the line. Is he playing hard in the game? Is he preparing like he's supposed to be? And everything that you've heard coming out of um, Florin Park, has, he's been doing those things. So there's no problem. Just a bad look, you know, but they got the win. So, you listen, you got to move on to the next game Thursday night. Right. I think it would be a lot different if he was playing a game of pickup basketball. Right, or- man. He's playing with bowling. I mean, right. can we make bowling a – is it a sport? Is it like like it's fun. You get a you know have a couple of drinks, have some nachos, you know, have some laughs, and at the end of the night, you go home, you switch your shoes, and you go to sleep. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't playing ultimate frisbee. You know, he wasn't playing anything else like that. He's, he's bowling. We've all I've seen my great uncle bowl. I mean, we've all seen everybody in our families bowl. And bowling is a lot different than taking on a blitzing linebacker. You know, down the B gap. You know, when your your franchise quarterback is, is standing behind you. So, listen, if you wanted to go out there and play with the flu and protect your franchise quarterback, I wouldn't have done it either. It's really not that physically stressful to bowl. I've bowled with the flu before myself. As I said, you're not going to have your best game that way, but it's not the same as playing in a football game. And on top of that, it's not like he went out to the club hanging out all night either. Like you said, it wouldn't be any different if he was at home playing Fortnite till 1 o'clock in the morning. He just happened to be at a bowling alley bowling. I get that it looks bad to people on the outside, but if you really stop to think about it, I think you'll have the same reaction that the two of us have had. And as I said, when I first heard about it, it sounded weird, and then I stopped and thought about it for a second. I was like, oh, well, bowling and football, nowhere near the same thing. As you said, though, the quarterback that Le'Veon Bell was going to have to try to protect in blitz pickups, Sam Darnold, he had a very up-and-down game in this game. I thought he was really good in the first half, and then in the second half, we saw some of those mistakes, some throws that shouldn't have been made. We saw the interception. In the end, though, we came through with that game-winning field goal drive. So I was curious what you thought. Break it down for me. Sam Darnold, what would you think in the rematch against Miami? Sam Darnold's rematch against Miami Dolphins, I think, like you said, he was a so-so quarterback. He was up in the first half. He was down in the second half. Some throws he missed. Uh, Coach Adam Gates talked about certain certain third down call. He wished he didn't put Darnold in, in certain situations, you know, maybe had a better call or a better out, you know, where Sam could find somebody else in the play. So it seems to be an, an entire offense that wasn't clicking on all cylinders. But – the one thing I did see in Sam Darnold, I seen this connection with Robbie Anderson. And Robbie Anderson spoke all week about how they took what they did in practice to the playing field. You know, so Robbie Anderson, you know, they must be working on certain plays in practice. We need to hit, hit this Sam. This is how I'm seeing it, Sam. And Sam's saying, listen, this is what I'm seeing. You know, I'm seeing him playing. If he plays you inside, I want you to take it to the post. And so you see that connection. I mean, Anderson had seven catches, 116 yards, a touchdown. I mean, he's averaging about 100 yards the last three games. So Darnold is playing better. It's just a consistent play. You know, coming out in the second half, you can see that the score was tight. You know, maybe a little bit of that focus was a little bit, you know, wasn't as sharp as it should have been. Or maybe playing more of playing the game and not playing, you know, to go out and win. You know, playing, uh, let's play safe, let's protect the ball, let's not run this much. You know, let's take easy passes rather than strikes and let's, let's go for the one, let's go for the, for the juggler. 
And the one thing, Sam Darnold, I love to see him in those tempo situations, two-minute situations, up-tempo, because it seems that's where he's the most confident, the most comfortable, where he can call the plays. He's getting in the rhythm. He's reading the defense, and the defense can't disguise as much because, you know, they don't have as much time to disguise him in and out of plays. So, Gaze, I just want to see him put Sam Darnold a little bit more of that tempo offense, let him get moving around, let him get up and going, let him really show what type of franchise quarterback he can be. Do you think he's just not seeing those throws or he's choosing to ignore them and go for the home run? I, I don't think it's not seeing the throws. Who's the easiest throw, you know, as a quarterback? The easiest person you could throw the ball to is your tight end. Ryan Griffin, their tight end, they just extended for three years. He had one catch for eight yards and then he went down with the injury. So you're thinking this has probably been, other than uh, Robbie Anderson, his best connection with a player on the team and Ryan Griffin in, in the passing game went down early in the game. So that's an underneath option. That's an option who's always that safety valve where I can get it out to him. I know where he's going to be that you didn't have for most of the game. So going into a game plan, you have a game plan. Okay, you're going to hit Griffin underneath. You're going to hit Anderson over top. Hit hit it with Vince Smith with the trick play. You know, Crowder always, always be dependable. Then throughout the game, things change. Griffin goes down. So now those plays that you call that make Griffin man knew like the back of his hand, you have another tight end running those plays you know and they're not as crisp or he doesn't know the checks as well or he hasn't studied the defense as much as Griffin has so there's a lot of things that happen in the game that you can say okay that could have thrown off Darnold you know but at the end of the day it come out with the win and that's the one thing I think we're overlooking is to win a game in the National Football League even if it's against the Miami Dolphins you know is, is a great win it's a good way to kind of get that confidence and it's a division opponent and these are culture builders you know you want to go out and win your division well then you have to beat the divisional opponents every time and to come out with a win is i mean they, you know it takes you from four and eight to five and eight and that's a good thing because it's also the three and ten and that's your division let's talk about the rest of this offense now robbie anderson has played really well the last couple of weeks we know that he's entering into free agency what have you seen different from Robbie Anderson the last couple of weeks as opposed to when he was struggling? Because it seems like when Crowder plays well, Anderson doesn't play as well. And when Anderson plays well, Crowder struggles. I saw that a lot again in this game against the Dolphins. What's causing that exactly? It's opportunities. I mean, there's only one football. So it seems like whenever the receiver is getting the ball, you know, getting the game plan his way, when he's, you know, in the in the early scripts, it's like, okay, we got to get Robbie going. We got to, you know, we got to get him the ball early. This, this get him the ball, we can go up. He's a speedy receiver, so, you know, it's always throw it to him deep. But these crossing routes where he can run away from the defender or get him the ball where he can use his size and go up and make the play, you know, back shoulder fade and things where he can, you know, go vertical and go up and catch the ball with his hand. And the same thing with Crowder. He's an underneath guy. He's a quick guy, can do a lot of the underneath quick stuff. And it's all about who Adam Gates wants to feature on that drive or feature in the game. And I believe that this game, Robbie Anderson was featured. You know, you can tell from just the amount of targets he received and the amount of production he's had. And the games in the past, we've seen the games that we know, man, they're really, they're really feeding Crowder. And then you look at the play design, the play construction, it's designed and constructed to get Crowder open. So, Gates really has his finger on the pulse of who they want to feature. And then Darnold is feeling it out. And, you know, maybe they're playing coverage on Jameson Crowder had a good game a couple weeks ago. So maybe they're playing a different coverage on him versus Robbie Anderson. So it's kind of game by game and it's kind of series by series of, you know, what Darnold is seeing, but also what Gates wants to do in this series. What did he feel? What does he feel is the weakness of this Miami Dolphins defense? Let's talk a little bit about Ryan Griffin since you mentioned him. How different did the offense look to you once he went out with the injury? 
Oh, the offense looked totally different without Ryan Griffin because even when Darnold would get in those spaces where he would scramble, you know, he would try to buy some time. Griffin had an ability to not only just have his eyes glued on the quarterback, but he'll have to really turn it up. He'll find an opening, be that safety valve. Hey, Darnold, I'm right here. I'm going to get open. You knew that if you scramble my way, I'm going to find a way to get open to give you a pass. Without him, he's just missing a guy. You're missing another guy in your offense that you depend on. And it seems like, you know, Adam Gates, the last couple, he's trying to use more of the pieces of his offense. Seeing, you know, you've seen Ty Montgomery a little bit more. You know, uh, obviously, Blah Powell. You know, Daniel Brown had a catch. So you're trying to use different guys. And when you're missing a guy, now everybody else has to take the weight of that. You know, that offensive production or then the play call or the target. Everybody else has to try to pick up the weight of what you're missing in Griffin. Is it me or did the offensive line look better than most weeks? Hey, man, listen, that O-line... I didn't see any miscommunication when it came to the Blitz game. You know, they were able to do what? Run the ball. And the one thing as big ugly – well, I won't call them ugly because offensive linemen now, they think they're big, cool guys. They got nice commercials. But the one thing with the big boys up front, if they can lean on you, they're having a good day. You know, they want to lean on you. They want to push on you because they know that, listen, if we can just lean on them all day, you're not going to get that one play when you get whooped and then it's a sack. It's mostly, or I missed my block, but I was able to stay on long enough to blow, blow, break that tackle. So they were able to, you know, stay on their block, you know, move guys around up front, and they just seem like they commu- they're communicating better. I mean, they're still the same guys. They're still playing shorthanded with a lot of guys that, you know, that are injured, a lot of reserve guys, you know, playing right now. But the communication factor and what Miami was doing, you know, they were doing a good job of picking up the blitzes. And even you see everybody on the line talking it out. You know, it's not – I, well, this play, I got a secret. It's like, hey, I got him. Hey, wh- what do you see? Leo, 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 shift to the left or slide to the left. So I like the communication off the offensive line. I think they played a, a, a more physical game because they were able to establish run earlier. And I think, you know, they're kind of turning the corner when it comes to just that communication part because, you know, earlier in the, in the season, the miscommunication part, it, it will always kill a team. But, you know, they're communicating, they're running the right plays, and then it allows you just to have more ability to be successful. What did you think of Gase's game plan overall? It's always tough, you know, looking at Adam Gase's game plan. Because with so many guys down, you know, missing Le'Veon Bell, you're not quite sure, you know, where what direction he's going to go. I like running the ball earlier on. I like hitting Robbie Addison on some crossers and getting some uh, deep balls. I would have liked to, you know, run the ball a little bit more in the second half, you know, be more creative. But it seems like they just played, I won't say safe, but they understand they had the lead and, you know, they understand the defense was, was holding up and just tried to play with, you know, try not to make that one big back-breaking play, you know, and, and they, they kind of made it, but they got lucky because the rest helped them out in that last play. Yeah, you ain't kidding. They really got bailed out by that penalty. But in addition to that, that was one crazy ending, the Jets winning on a walk-off field goal. What's it like to win a game that way? I, I mean, I, if you're on defense, you kill it. You're like, what do you mean? From the referee booth? Who's calling the penalty? From New York? You know, so you're – but on, on on offense, I mean, you're just – you're. listen, you, you saw it. You called it. You neck another play. You're moving. You move the ball. <laughs> it, it's a, you know what, man? It, it's the NFL. A win is a win. How it happens, how you get there. I mean, it was a competitive game. You hate to see something like that kind of decide the game. But if we all signed up for the same game. We all understand the rules that that – down and ah man to have that in the division game I know for the Dolphins it's sickening to lose like that into a division game a game that was so uh, tightly contested because in watching you know those guys down in Miami playing knowing some of the guys there on staff man they're playing extremely hard 
you know, so have a game lose like that, it has to be tough. I, I would hate it in person. I've lost games where you're like on a bad call from a referee and you completely hate it because you're like, listen, if we lose it on the field, it's one thing. But when it comes from somebody else or somebody wearing, you know, stripes, oh, man, it sticks with you forever. Well, not forever, but you just, you know, you, for a long time. Any that you remember in particular? <sighs> bad calls? See, they, they, they say to forget it. See, I had one in the CFL recently. It was a uh, we were taking a knee. The, the receivers motioned to the the, the linesman that hey, um, on the line. The linesman said okay. When we took the knee, the linesman said he wasn't on the line. But we have the film to say he pointed to lines. But you know, you point, hey, I'm on the line, and he said okay. But he still threw the flag, said he wasn't on the line. We didn't get the we didn't get the we got a penalty, so we didn't get to kick the the field goal to win the game. So yeah, that was a rough one where he, literally he just took it out of our hands. But they they suck. I mean, they're horrible plays with the. the the referees decide the game. Let the players decide it on the field. And when the referees get into it, especially at the end of the game, I always like to say, just let the guys play. They'll decide it. I want to ask you something as somebody who played special teams for a long time. I was curious your take on this. Chris Nimbley and I addressed this recently. I've always been of the mindset that you should be aggressive on special teams. I don't love fair catches. I was always for taking the ball out of the end zone. But the more I've watched, and especially with the rule changes where you get the ball at the 25 now by kneeling the ball down in the end zone, it just seems to me like more often than not, you're doing more harm than good by trying to be aggressive. A lot of times, the fair catch is the smart play. A lot of times, just kneeling the ball in the end zone and getting it to 25 seems like the smart play. Looking at this, especially with the rule changes, what do you think? As a, as a one who plays special teams for a long time, and you know, looking at the new rule changes you know, and kickoff, kickoff return, you know, trying to take out some of the physical contact. The way I would coach my special team teamers, you know, on the return team is you always play like you're going to return. You always play. I want you to keep that mindset that we're returning everything. And then in the end zone, the guy will signal to you as you run back to get in position to pick up your blocks. If you're doubling with three, you know, if you're, if you're going to you know, crack number four, as you run back to get in position, you look at the return and he'll give you the signal that, all right, we're not taking it out this time. But you never want to get your teamers in the mindset of, yeah, we're not, we're not going to return this one or, ah, we're going to take this one off because you never know when you're going to get a, a, poo, a, a push, a push kit. Or, you know, the guy's going to catch it in the end zone and fix he sees some space. Or in a situation in the game, you know, you may catch them sleeping at the wheel where, you know, they didn't touch back, touch back, touch back. I mean, there were times, you know, in my NFL career, you know, with Westoff, you know, we'll look and be like, listen, this, this return, this cover group, they haven't had one return to cover in the last two weeks because they've all been touched back. So we're going to make sure we bring one out on them just to see if they can cover it. So they'll be like, hey, Crow. Or, you know, hey, Crow, listen, we don't care if you're, you know, five, seven, it's shit, if you're 10 yards deep, bring it out and let's see if we can get, if we can increase something and get some positive yards for our offense. So you always want to go with the same mindset that you're taking it out. And the same thing with kickoff team. You always sprint down like you're going to cover, you're going to make a hit because you never want to get caught, you know, asleep at the wheel. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's talk a little bit now about what's going to happen on Thursday with the Jets and the Ravens. Lamar Jackson is a very different breed than most of these quarterbacks in the sense that we know what he can do with his arm, we know what he can do with his legs, but he's doing it in a way that we've never really seen before. It's like turbocharged Michael Vick, at least that's what it feels like. How would you go about trying to stop him as somebody who has played on the defensive side of the ball for most of his life and as somebody who recognizes what a dangerous weapon Lamar Jackson is? I mean, I think Lamar Jackson is simple to simple to stop. I mean, all you got to do is take the 12 men, the 12 men from the CFL, <laughs> put them on the NFL field. You got to play with the next year guy. It's a simple guy to stop, you know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he's marvelous. I mean, somebody's called him the marvelous because he's been marvelous. He's been amazing. The things that he's able to do with his leg, his arm, and really showing all the naysayers that, hey, listen, don't only invest. I don't only look at you know, your your standard quarterbacks are the only guys that can make it happen. Look at guys who win. Look at guys who elevates, you know, the team. And, you know, look at guys who elevates, you know, not only the team, but situations in the game where your quarterback won't be able to make it happen with his leg. But Lamar Jackson, he's sacked. But wait a minute, no, he's in the end zone. You know, th- in this game, you know, if I was Greg Williams, how, how I may defend Lamar Jackson in that Baltimore offense. If you saw last year San Diego in the playoffs and in the end of the regular season played them with seven DBs on the field. So that's more, more speed on the field, more athleticism on the field. As long as your DBs will come up and tackle, you know, putting a couple more guys, you know, that can run with Lamar Jackson, that can run with, you know, these dynamic running backs and tight ends and receivers, you know, that can help. But – the only thing with Greg Williams is that in the secondary, he is shorthanded. So the way I would stop him, you know, I see a lot of, you know, not I, but we see a lot of these type of uh, plays in the in the CFL, a lot more quarterbacks on the move, a lot of gun, a lot of read option, you know, kind of that old option football paint by numbers. I got the running back. You have the quarterback. You have the receiver. You have to have a defensive line and linebacker groups and safety groups who's, who's extremely committed to playing a physical punch you in the mouth type of game to try to start Lamar Jackson. Their offensive line up front, they're big guys, and that's the best in pass blocking. But what they do do great in is they block you hard every time. If the play is coming their way or they're on the back side of the play, they, they block it and they scheme it up a certain way. So you're thinking every time it's a run play or, you know, they're trying to block you out. Then, you know, with their, the tight ends and their backs, you know, they're not only physical, you know, they're not only a physical group, but they're extremely athletic. So they're tight ends. They'll come backside and they'll cut the defensive end. They'll cut the defensive end. They'll cut the defensive end. And then the fourth time when you're, you kind of stop your feet ready for the cut, they'll kind of olay you, get off into the flat. And Lamar Jackson, you know, he's going to be wide open. And he's going to throw it to him, you know, for a big gain. And then, you know, you have a running backs that can pound the ball down the field that can make pick up yards after contact and really – be that blunt force right down the middle of your of your offense. And then on the second air on the outside, you know, they do a good job of their receivers that they're not only big play receivers, but they block extremely hard, hard all the time. So you never know 
Like he's blocking me, he's blocking me, he's blocking me. And then the one time you peek in the backfield, he lets you go and now he's just with a double move and he's in the end zone. So how I would stop him is on the edge. There's three ways to play him, I think. I think you have to send one man. You can send a guy at the mesh point, the defensive end. So that is where he's faking it to the running back. So you send him at that point and you tell him, listen, if you get to that point, and the ball is not gone and you don't know what it is, I would say just hit whoever's at that point. If you're hitting the quarterback trying to carry out a fake, hit the quarterback. If it's a running back, you hit him too. You want to speed up you want to speed up that action. You want to you want to speed up Lamar Jackson to make him feel like, oh, I have to get the ball a little quicker because this guy is coming right at me. You know, or you can play it where you have him going to the to the running back and somebody else coming around for Lamar Jackson. I always find that very difficult because then you give Lamar Jackson some field of play. He can see he can have his vision now. He sees the field. He can see the passing lanes, and he can say, okay, I have this guy one-on-one. And you saw that last week, man. He's breaking ankles all – I mean, it's an ankle funeral all over the place. So I think it's best to try to put your guys on the line and just say, listen, sprint out of a stance like a all-free blitz right at the mesh point. Don't stop your feet and just hit whoever's at the mesh point. Because I think you have to make the game. You know, they're going to be a physical bunch, but they're on a short week. You know, the, the Jets actually, actually have the advantage this week with a little bit more time to get healthy. You know, with the, with the Ravens, you know, coming to a short week. So, listen, man, I think I'm hitting everything all the time, trying to just make him speed up his handoff or, you know, try to, try to create a fumble or a turnover and just keep attacking them. Because I think if you sit back and you're trying to catch them or you're going to sit back and try to diagnose the play and try to scheme with them, by the time you look up, they'll punch you in your, in your face and you're down three touchdowns. So I would just attack them early and often. As far as the other quarterback in this game, Sam Darnold, this is going to be a major test for him. He's going up against an excellent Baltimore Ravens defense. How would you approach this if you were Adam Gase, and what do you expect to see from Sam Darnold on Thursday? If I'm Adam Gase, I'm protecting him. I'm protecting him. I'm doing some more of the running the ball that I can do. You try to try to do what the Ravens do, eat up the clock, eat up the clock, you know, Eat up the possessions, run the ball, try to be a powerful running team, which they haven't been all year, but you're going to have to run the ball to beat the, the Ravens. And then you look for your big plays, and hopefully that connection that, you know, Robbie Anderson and Sam Darnold has had over the last three weeks is still rolling in Baltimore on Thursday. Because if you can hit Robbie Anderson the big play over the top, then that puts the Ravens in a different type of situation where, you know, they're, they're, they have to score now, and which they can do, but it just doesn't play into their hand as much as, listen, we want to run the ball when we want to, you know, however you want to. And then we'll hit you with some, you know, some schematics, some trickeration, some gadget type plays to get guys open in the end zone. So you're going to have to run the ball, but I think is you have to pick up those, those, when you, when you want to get a chunk play, Hey, you have to pick it up. It can't just be a throwaway play because those opportunities aren't going to come a lot. And when you've called the right play schematically against the right coverage, Donald's going to have to be on point and you can't be missing receivers this game. What do you expect to see overall? What's your prediction here? Ooh, prediction. I've never been a oh, prediction. I've never been a prediction guy. But let me see. This is, I think this is my first real prediction right here live. Let's see. Prediction. Let's see. Baltimore. Lamar Jackson. Let's go uh, 30 to 17. Be more. 30 to 17 is good. It would be good for the gamblers betting on the Jets because the spread is 14 and a half. So that would mean the Jets would just barely cover the spread. It's certainly yeah. an interesting prediction. <laughs> no question about it. I think that. The Ravens are favored heavily for a reason, and I think 30-17 to 17 is definitely right in that ballpark. It could be way out of control, though, because I think we both know if Lamar Jackson gets cooking really early on, this could be one of those games where they put the Jets in the rearview mirror early. But 
if the Jets are able to game plan properly and if Greg Williams is able to find a way to keep Lamar Jackson from exploding, this could at least be reasonably competitive for a fair amount of time, no? I believe it would be competitive throughout the game. I think going into the fourth, the Ravens may pull away because you have to give a lot of credit to Greg Williams and his defense. I mean, they're the number two rushing defense in the NFL. People say that doesn't mean anything. But this week, we'll see what it means, you know, because in stopping the run, it's not just schematics and getting guys free hitters to the ball. It's, are you going to be able to, you know, sit an sit a offensive lineman down? Are you going to be able to sit in there on the double team? And then when the offensive, you know, when the center comes off and comes up to goes up to the linebacker, are you going to pop back and be able to make a play on the running back? On the edge, you know, the defensive end, linebacker, the edge players, when they bring them tight ends and they bring the pullers, you know, to your side, are you going to stand up and try to jump around the block or are you going to meet that block head on, go get it? Are you going to cut some of them down, you know, create a pond in the backfield? Or are you going to sit and dance around? So that's what, you know, stopping the run and rush defense is all about. It's about physical nature. It's about playing your assignment, assignment alignment technique, but playing it physically. And Thursday we'll see because this Jets front has been very physical. They've been very good against the run. And this is an exciting game for these guys because they understand that there's no playoffs in store for these for these men this year. They understand that their season is going to be over in a couple weeks. But on their way out, you know, they can create havoc. You know, they can – make plays against a team that everybody's saying, you know, Lamar Jackson, MVP front runner. I think he'll be the MVP by the end of the year, by the, by the time it's all said and done. But you're playing against that and that offense. So you're looking for, you know, ways to get up for a game. All right, we're not going to playoffs, but this game right here, listen, let's see if we can shut them down. Let's see if we can make it happen against this offense. Because it's not just Lamar Jackson. They have a great group and John and Harbaugh down in Baltimore did a great job of putting together the right players around them to make it happen. So as a front, you know, the defensive front, I, I'm excited for these guys. So you have to go out and show like, all right, man, this is the NFL, man. You're not only going to get games that you should win. There are going to be games where everybody's against you. You know, can you bow up? You know, can you stand up, play together and just punch somebody in the mouth? Jamal, before we go, wanted to get a story from you because we always end the show with story time with Jamal. Tell me a story. Oh, that's one of my favorites. What do you got about Dennis Thurman? He's been described Ooh. as a real character. He was the Jets defensive backs coach when you were with the team. So many great stories in Nicholas Dowdov's book about Dennis Thurman. DT, as everybody calls him. What do you got? DT, DT. I mean, DT was a <laughs> great coach, a very experienced coach, USC guy. You know, a very smooth character, you know, good dude. I remember I saw him once in Short Hill Mall and we're walking and we're walking, kind of walking towards each other. And I said, what's up, DT? And he doesn't even say hi to me. He just says, hey, man, get some different gear than Rutgers gear. We're trying to see that Rutgers <laughs> gear every day. And I'm like, all right, DT. He's like, yeah, all right, rookie. I don't, know why they, I don't know why he didn't like I was undrafted. I didn't have any money. I couldn't get any Versace. <laughs> you know, I'm coming from college, undrafted free agent, just happy to be in the NFL. Now I got to get all these new hoodies and sweatpants to make DT feel like I'm in the NFL suits already i couldn't i had to go with my ruckers you know my scarlet knife i don't think he was hating on ruckers i think i was just so ruckers i was too much ruckers for him i think that's <laughs> what it was ain't no red is a very bold color you know so i'm wearing a whole red sweatsuit i mean dave's out their player development guys like hey westy man come on like we're the jets baby we're green i'm like listen man <laughs> let me get two more checks in the bank and i promise you i get a couple different t-shirts there goes short dt story definitely a good coach very intense competitor and a very good dude just being around him. Talks a lot about, you know, football and his different games that he played. And so I, I appreciated him as a coach. 
<laughs> I guess in a way you were sort of like that guy who loves a band so much that he makes his friends hate that band. You know what? I think that I love records too, man. Now, I think they like records. They like our physicality. That's why. See, that's why they kept me. They like records. They just didn't, you know, they just didn't want to, but they loved them because you know the players they put out. And now you got Bless Austin doing big things. So you know, are you all day, baby? You were a local kid doing good, just like Ray Lucas, just like as you said, Bless and Austin. And it's hard to hate on a guy that sacks Tom Brady not once, but twice. But twice. I should have gotten that third time, man. Picture that story. <laughs> Then you'd really be an elite company because that's only been done by two players in NFL history. One of them was Grady Jarrett. The other, the great Joey Porter, who did it twice against Tom Brady. Talk about impressive. Three sacks in a single game against Tom Brady twice by Joey Porter. So if you'd have done that, Grady Jarrett, Joey Porter, and Jamal Westerman would be the only three in history to have done it. But still, I'd say two sacks in a single game is pretty damn impressive against the greatest quarterback of all time. Jamal, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to getting your thoughts on the upcoming Steelers game next week. In addition to, of course, your thoughts on the performance of the Jets on Thursday Night Football against the Baltimore Ravens. By the way, if you want to go to that game, you can get yourself up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase when you download the Vivid Seats mobile app and use the promo code OVERTIME. It's a short drive to Baltimore, so if you're still on the fence about going, that could help sway you. 100 bucks off on tickets is certainly a hell of an incentive, but maybe you don't want to make that drive to Baltimore. Perhaps you want to use that code on something else. Maybe you want to use it on that upcoming matchup with the Steelers here in New Jersey at MetLife Stadium. Perhaps you want to use it on a different sporting event, basketball or hockey. You might want to go to a concert, a wrestling match, a boxing match. Whatever it is you want to do, you can get up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase. Just use the promo code OVERTIME when you download the Vivid Seats mobile app. Jamal, before we run, though, I know you've been having a lot of fun talking to Jets fans on Twitter and being interactive. So for those that would like to get a hold of you on social media, how can they do that? Oh, if you're looking to get a hold of me, Jay Westerman 90 on Instagram, Jamal Westerman on Twitter. That's Jamal with three A's, J-A-M-A-A-L. You got to put the double A in there. Westerman on Twitter and you know, loving the questions, loving the feedback from the fans and enjoying doing the podcast. It's a lot of fun. Looking forward to Thursday night matchup because I know one thing about Baltimore. Played down there a lot of Monday night games, Sunday night games. Those night games in Baltimore, they're a little bit special. They get the band fired up. They got the fire coming out. The only thing to make it crazier is Terrell Suggs and like Ray Lewis came out of the, the tunnel. And that would that'd be the only thing to take it over the line. So it's going to be a good game on Thursday night. Look forward to watching it. Remember, it's J-A-M-A-A-L, two A's because Jamal sacked Tom Brady two times in a single oh. game. Jamal's parents <laughs> knew when he was born that he was going to sack Tom Brady one day twice in a single game. So that's why they put those two A's in there. Man, they should have put four A's in there. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate you, Scott, man. Thank you. <laughs> Go ahead and follow Jamal on Twitter at Jamal, J-A-M-A-A-L Westerman. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcast, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.